time, weather, and... Welcome to The Shake Up. I'm Alexis Gay. And I'm Brianne Kimmel. And each week we explore the business decisions that dare to be different and the leaders who are shaking up their industries. You can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. This week we're talking about the half trillion, with a T, dollar giving space and how mission-driven company Classy is proving that companies can do good in the world while also making money. Classy is such an interesting company. I mean, we've Mm -hmm. talked before about companies that are doing good in the world while still making money. And typically when I hear of those sort of companies, oftentimes they're more retail companies like Patagonia, uh, Starbucks to an extent. and Warby Parker. Warby Parker. Mm -hmm. And so it's great to hear Classy is more on the software side of things and they're building tools to bring the entire nonprofit and charity and giving space online, which is no easy feat. And it's awesome to talk to the COO to really learn about the operations of how they did this. I really loved our conversation with their COO, Soraya Alexander. She shared so many insights, not only about how they're running the business, but about the sector more broadly that honestly, I was very surprised. And it was great to hear. I mean, Soraya's journey, she has been at the company for a while. She's been in multiple different roles. And so this is also her success story as well in building and scaling Mm. this high growth venture backed startup. And so it was a really great conversation. And one thing that really stood out to me was because they're providing all of the tools and analytics for nonprofits, they're sitting Mm. on a really compelling data set. And so they have all of these data points of just how much people are donating. And I was very surprised to hear that the average age for a donor has also come down. And so in bringing nonprofits online, we're inviting millennials and Gen Z to really find the best, you know, charity for them and to really donate in a more efficient way. So it was great to hear that they're really democratizing what it means to give. Yeah, we love to see it on the data side. Soraya also dropped one of the most incredible buzzwords I've ever heard, (laughs) which I will let be a secret reveal later in the episode. But I personally loved it. And I'm so excited for us to dive into that. But first... Subscribe and follow The Shake Up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be the very first people to know when our new episodes go live. Brianne, what do you think about that? Yeah, I'm excited. Are you ready to dive in? Okay. So without further ado, here is our fabulous conversation with Soraya Alexander, the Chief Operating Officer of Classy. Brianne, I am so excited to bring on our guest today. Are you ready for this? Oh, I was born ready for this one. I'm very excited, Alexis. We love to hear it. Okay, so our guest today is none other than the Chief Operating Officer of Classy, Soraya Alexander. Welcome to the shakeup. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm like ready for applause in the background or something. That was a (laughs) big buildup. I'm so happy to be here. Truly our pleasure. We're so excited to have you. Classy is a really exciting business and a pretty interesting space in the giving space, which as we all know is pretty huge right now. Somewhat over a half trillion dollar space. Is that the right number? Yeah, it's about two trillion worldwide and still only a fraction of it is online. And so that's kind of where we fit. We're trying to change that. Wow. Only a fraction of it is online. Only about 10%. Yes. Soraya, I literally was like, what's the alternative? And I'm like, checks? (laughs) Is it people writing checks? It's a lot of checks. It's a lot of offline giving. It's still a lot of dependence on things like grants and all of these different systems that are really difficult to manage and consolidate and actually build loyal, you know, what you could call like subscribers to causes. How do we make sure that this amazingly generously intended 
consumer base can actually find causes yes. they care about and engage and give in, in really amazing experiences. So we are there for our nonprofits to do that. Awesome. That's great to hear. I mean, one thing that strikes me is I recently read that 60% of millennials donate over 480 some dollars to charity each year. And I don't, I'm a millennial and I spend most of my time online. And so unless it's a nonprofit that's running ads on Instagram or, you know, has a YouTube channel or is really doing things in the digital world, I probably haven't heard of them. Well, this is this is exactly where we saw the issue as well. So we started about 10 mm-hmm. years ago. And at that point, the conversation was, you know, online is coming. Online is changing everything. Uh, younger donors are going online and they expect you to be there. You know, you nonprofit, where are you in this space? How are you making sure that the donation experience is really easy? And a lot of what we would hear at the mm-hmm. time was, well, you know, we've got a we've got a I don't know, a PayPal button. Well, that was great, but that's not actually what younger donors expect when they're coming from really elegant platforms. You know, they're using Spotify and then yep. they're going to Amazon and that is mm-hmm. the expectation. Why would the most important sector in the world stand for anything less? And yet we were standing for something less. But in the 10 years since the the conversation's actually really evolved. It's not just millennials and younger now. We do a lot of donor sentiment surveys and Every generation except for the silent generation, which I think is 79 plus, if I'm not mistaken, Hmm. prefers online giving. Like this is trusted. Every single one. Every single generation trusts it and prefers it because it's just so much simpler. And so this is not a cutting edge strategy anymore. This this is a cornerstone. Mm -hmm. And to understand it well needs really good technology. And so that's that's really where we've come up and how we've been able to partner effectively with our with our customers. That is awesome. You brought up a really interesting word there, which is trust. And I think trust in the ability to pay online, to process payments online, has been a huge driver for more, especially older generations, to be comfortable with giving on the internet. Yes. Trust is a big one. You know, for us, we kind of think of ourselves as being at the intersection of three things for this sector. So if you think about social media and how, where do you find causes that you kind of trust that you want to give? Oftentimes it's from personal solicitations by friends, by family mm-hmm, saying, mm-hmm. I'm raising for this cause. I'm, you know, doing a bike race for this cause, you know, whatever it is. Yep. I've been a volunteer with this cause and I really believe in it. Okay. I'm mm-hmm. more likely to give. The other piece is, you know, payment processing. That sounds really unsexy, frankly. It actually matters <laughs> a lot if you're thinking of- It matters so it much. Matters so we much. love a frictionless <laughs> checkout experience, okay? Right, right. Like My big people. fans of payment processing <laughs> over here. You get it. You you get it. This is, you know, the payment options matter. The fraud protections matter. That is what continues that yep. trust. And then the third, we talked about it a little bit already, but it's what is a good e-commerce checkout experience look like? If you get to a page that looks like it was written in- code from 40 years ago, Mm -hmm. I don't know that you want to give your hard-earned money over there. And so we feel like we are at the intersection of those three things in a way that unlocks a ton of latent generosity. Ooh, latent generosity. Do you like that? I love that. I'm just workshopping that. that? That's great. Yeah, it worked. I would say it landed. (laughs) All right, great. I'll I'll, I'll tell my PR people. Yeah, Um, let the team know. (laughs) Exactly. But but honestly, it's amazing. And then it's powered, more importantly, powered all of this amazing impact. Um, and that's yeah. kind of really what this is all about. Like, who cares about money if it's not driving impact? And that's what all of our customers are doing. In so many ways, it reminds me of uh, Shopify for nonprofits. Yes. You know, if you're able to bring nonprofits online in the same way that Shopify was able to give brick and mortar stores and, you know, traditional uh, merchants a way to come online, like, 
It's also a really great business model because you're giving them the tools to actually generate more revenue. Well, and that is the beautiful thing about being in this space because we do not succeed until our customers succeed. Everything we talk about is, you know, really maximizing their return on their commitment and their investment in Classy. So we cannot kind of extract value out of these nonprofits. That is, that, that would, <laughs> I could not sleep at night if that was our business model. And it's not. Of course. We only earn money when our customers are doing really, really well and when they are growing. And so everything mm-hmm. we are building is around how do you drive up conversion rates? How do you drive up donor retention? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how do you make sure that new donors are finding your pages? And, you know, how are they optimized for mobile? You know, all of these fundamentals of e-commerce that frankly, this sector has been really underserved with. And we believe in these causes mm-hmm. and we are very invested in, in them. And so it's our kind of mission. It's our mission for being. It allows us to do a lot of really interesting thought leadership and, you know, kind of meta platform analysis to understand what actually drives great, you know, donor retention, drives great conversion rates, drives, yeah. you know, new ways of giving that nobody's really thinking about yet. We see that as our our job for our customers and they don't yeah. have to worry about it. Like that is really. Soraya, what is meta platform analysis? Oh my God. Isn't that the most obnoxious? I, I, it came out of my mouth. <laughs> no, and I it just sounded amazing. <laughs> I truly do not know what it is. It is and it in is... case some of our listeners also don't know what it is, I just thought I'd ask. It's an overly jargony, obnoxious way to say that we've got over 6,000 clients who run mm-hmm. hundreds of campaigns. We process well over a billion dollars a year. And so we've got a lot of interactions where donor meets campaign and either converts or doesn't. Okay. And we can Amazing. tell kind of at at scale what is working and then convey yes. that to the rest of the sector. Like, hey, you should try this. Simple things, really, like enable digital wallets. That will drive up your conversion rates. We know this, but we actually have the data to prove it. And we can, wow. you know, really, really help affect that change. So it's not a commodity. Like, we can help drive that impact. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm reminded a lot of uh, of Patreon in this case. Nice. I, I was reading that over half of nonprofits operate with less than $83,000 per year. And so I think there's this, there's an assumption that nonprofits are, you know, they raise multiple million dollars per year and that they are these like large enduring institutions. But quite frankly, a lot of them fail because they're not making enough money to really continue to move forward. And it reminds me of Patreon in many ways where it's like you're empowering up and coming nonprofits or very small teams where, you know, every new dollar that comes in that you're able to generate through the platform can really, you know, enable them to keep their lights on. Well, this is something I talk about a lot because it drives me crazy. So I I started off in the social sector world, but then I went to for-profit, I went to e-commerce. And mm-hmm. one of the starkest statistics for the nonprofit space is four out of every five new donors that come in the door will never come back. And so these <gasps> tiny are you serious? Yes, these tiny resource strapped organizations, and they're not all tiny, some are huge, but they are trying right. to take on the most complicated problems in the world. They are busy. <laughs> and they have to spend all of this time trying to find people to both care about their cause, care enough to open their wallet, and then they basically mm-hmm. have to start it all over again. They have to start almost from scratch. So a lot of what we're trying to unlock is that, you know, retention, trust, getting people back in the door. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that comes through technology. It's not a surprise that we kind of keep going back to the well on some of these other, you know, social platforms or subscription mm-hmm. platforms. They know audience segmentation. They know engagement. And why would we expect, you know, all these nonprofit practitioners to be able to do that? So that's where, you know, we think we can be this intersection of great technologists helping you know, people do this, you know, the fundamental programmatic work um, that, that our clients do. 
Well, it seems like it's working. I read a couple of the testimonials on your site and that ease of use both on the back end and for the end user, for the person making the donation, seemed to be top of mind for the people that are using Classy as one of the highlights for working with the platform. It is. And, you know, I think sometimes there's this sense that the space is maybe like less sophisticated or moves slower. Honestly, it's because it's underfunded. And I work with like the savviest customers. They get it. They know it. And they are desperate for good technology that can meet their needs within those budgets. It's really incredible the kinds of, you know, problems that we face. I I don't know, I'll go on a tangent here, but the beginning of COVID when it, you know, it hit the United States shores, we all just like every other business sat back and kind of were holding our breath. What's going to happen? People are losing their jobs. Nobody is going to have time to think about how to support, I don't know, the Philharmonic or my local humane society. Like this is secondary. And in fact, Mm. you saw honestly, like the best of humanity come out. People said, I am really hurting. I know I'm only hurting maybe a little bit compared to how much other people are hurting. And so the support for food banks, for frontline health workers, for healthcare systems, for even arts and humanity, you know, it was unbelievable. It was, it was our, you know, biggest year by far on the platform. And so now the question is, how do you keep that going? That desire to give is living in so many of us, and how do we make sure that people are able to kind of find the causes and actually stay engaged with those causes, understand the impact they're having? And it comes a lot from the programmatic work, but it does come from good technology kind of meeting that, that need and that curiosity. One of the ways in which Classy is different from other solutions outside of just the tech is in reframing the user experience from making a donation or you know, giving a handout to what I believe I've heard as impact storytelling. And I'd love to talk with you a little bit about that because it's something that I've I've seen in a lot of ways. Again, my background is more in the creator space, but we've watched people willingly fund the work of creators, journalists, musicians, et cetera, that they really care about because they they know and now the value is being communicated to them in what they're receiving. And so I wanted to understand a little bit about this mindset change you're encouraging in givers through impact storytelling. Uh, Yes, absolutely. So impact storytelling is basically why do you initially give to a particular cause? You have found something where you say this is a problem and I think this particular entity, you know, nonprofit, whatever it is, can actually help start to solve that problem. Hmm. That initial decision, how do you keep that going? And for us, it's all about that storytelling. So on a campaign page, you will have visited nonprofit pages that say at $10, you know, this is how far it will go. At $100, this is how far it will go. It seems fundamental, but actually doing that well and then doing that over time encourages donors to stick around. I'm actually going to you know, whatever you call it, subscribe to this nonprofit. I'm going to give $10 a month. That transforms the impact the nonprofit's going to be able to have. They can start planning programs because it's consistent. Mm. Uh, It adds up to much more over time. But a nonprofit has to tell you what that is. Otherwise, donors will walk away. You want to have an impact, but you want to know that it's truly an... I, I think the best way to say it is you invest to get a return. It's no different when you invest in philanthropy. And so what is the return? And telling that story well telling that story by donor segment, telling that story by donation amount, telling that story Mm. by donation frequency, telling it as you go, is the program evolving? Not just you can, you know, feed 100 kids today, but over time, how is that transforming the community in which that organization is operating? That suddenly builds a very invested donor base. 
I'm really curious to understand, I mean, how do you, when you think about donor retention, what sort of programs do you have running behind the scenes? Like, how do you educate nonprofits to really think with more of a retention mindset? Because my view is typically nonprofits are great at organizing an annual gala. You know, we just saw the Met Gala. They're great at doing kind of (laughs) one-off things for very fancy people. And so I think now that they're online and they're thinking with more of a retention mindset, it, it opens up a whole new, like a whole new audience, a whole new segment, many different use cases that I'm, I'm sure they haven't explored before. It's true. And and the hard thing with this is, you know, a nonprofit that is bringing in, you know, $100,000 a year, let's say, is very different than, you know, the Metropolitan Museum of Art. So, you know, it's, sure. they're very different. But what is consistent is, there's a different level of kind of touch and engagement you can have with, let's say, a high net worth donor than you can with your average donor. And for us, great technology allows you to democratize that engagement. So we we spend a lot of time talking about, you know, customer segmentation. So, uh, you mm-hmm. know, any, like we were talking about Shopify, right? You've got the ability to, let's say, parse out, you know, the customers who have shopped in the last 90 days, the customers who generally have this basket composition, the customers who only buy on discount, the customers who buy, you know, consistently in reaction to just email versus, you know, whatever other channels. You Mm -hmm. can't do that at scale without good technology. And so before, you know, nonprofits without good technology, it didn't make sense for them to try to get every $10 donor because the resourcing would never pay for itself. With good technology, suddenly that that whole world opens up. And so it's not an either or, it's Mm -hmm. you can do both. And I think the most fascinating thing we've seen is suddenly you're seeing big donors come through these channels. You know, you are seeing hmm. big donation amounts coming through just a normal checkout flow anonymously. And you is know? that unusual? Absolutely not. Not at all. Oh, really? Not at all. People are really comfortable with it. They understand, you know, if you can see the impact of the work, you're talking mm-hmm. about the evolution of the programs, of the constituents, of the, you know, what you're able to do, what your plans are, the donors Mm -hmm. will come. And then you've got a kind of trustworthy experience. And actually what we find is a lot of long-term bigger donors start out with lower donation amounts and try to understand what that experience is. Do I think this nonprofit is treating every dollar really thoughtfully? On the donor side of things, are you helping donors get matched with new nonprofits? Like to what extent are you building programs behind the scenes to really help increase their, you know, average donation per year? Because I think millennials, you know, we're we're now in our th- our thirties, and so you know, p- if the average donation is four hundred and eighty one dollars per year, I can imagine that through introducing new nonprofits and and building a way for them to be more actively involved, they would donate even more over time. I'll tell you like where we where we have been, and then where we are going, because I think they're both really exciting right. and fun. So where we have been is, if you think about kind of what we call peer to peer. Donation. So you are doing a 5K and you're going to raise money from a bunch of your friends to sponsor you on this race. That's kind of the original, you know, most of those donors are new to an organization. And so that actually is a really organic, like when we talk about social media, like this is a social way to discover and match new donors to the causes. Where we're going is, you're absolutely right, we are going more and more into can we provide kind of a directory for donors to find causes that really match their Mm. interests around cause category, around location, around type of impact, around how do we support any any way that you want to give? And it's not, you know, it's it's mm. it's currencies. It's you know, whatever giving looks like for you is going to be our ambition. 
Wow. Okay. So let me ask you a question then, because something that I think Shopify has done really well, and I also have some hands-on experience with from Patreon is negotiating the relationship between being a facilitator of a function between the organization and the patron or the organization and the person making the donation and being more of a white labeled background solution that the patron, customer, user, whatever doesn't know exists. Yes. And so I'm wondering how you are all thinking about that balance. Yeah, we uh, never are interested in having our name out there um, to any donor. So Mm. the organization comes first, their impact comes first, their story comes first. Um, And I think that's kind of where we stand apart from some other ways that you can fundraise. Um, and some other platforms, uh, and that's been really intentional. We think we can right. be this amazing resource for donors, potential donors, you know, people that are interested to find these organizations, but we don't have the brand equity. If you go to our site, the only thing you're going to see is really all about our customer testimonials, and you've probably visited, you've probably donated on one of our pages, and you probably don't know it. Without and that's knowing? Great. 100%. Oh, I've just like been a white label stand for a long time now because I think <laughs> that I care so much about brand. I've always cared about brand. I've on behalf of the company as I've worked for or now yeah. as an individual and technology is so beautiful at disappearing into the background when it's at its most effective. Yes. And so I'm always excited by platforms that can do that well. You couldn't have said it better. I I love the silence cuz if you're if you're a headline unless you just did a big mm-hmm. fundraise or, you know, you really made a splash mm-hmm. with some innovation, it should be the customer 100%. Which Classy has done that as well, not for nothing. You have, was it your Series C that you just wrapped up? We just up? did our Series D, um, led oh, by Norwest. D. Yeah, it was, it was, it was great. Where we were in the process was, you know, our interest is really around creating a very durable company. We actually had a really incredible year, which is to say our customers had a really incredible year last year. Um, we have just some amazing amazing clients at the front lines of everything that was happening. You know, the CDC Foundation is a client and just amazing oh customers God. doing really important work last year. And so we we wanted to go into this year just saying the sector needs so much more and faster. And so we we did a fundraise just to be able to do the work and the path that we were already on at a much, you know, a much greater level, a much greater scale. And the other thing that was really important to us is we try to walk the walk. Like, no, you know, no company is perfect, but We were a certified B Corp. We just reincorporated as a public benefit corporation, and we really wanted investors Mm. who were aligned to that and very supportive. One question, as a SaaS company, now that you've raised a larger round of funding, you know, how do you think about scaling go-to-market? Yes. Because I would imagine you'll need to have a pretty large sales team to really make this possible um, because it's such a B2B-led business. Uh, We do have a decently large sales team. I think as we have grown, you know, our reputation has kind of helped us quite a bit insofar as a lot of the nonprofit practitioners stay in the space. They will go to different nonprofits, you know, ancillary causes. But once you are up and running and like really understand certain technologies, you develop your affinity. And we are at a really great advantage uh, in terms of, I think, the technology we offer and in terms of building really good relationships with customers mm-hmm. who, when they leave, they'll often bring us with them. So yes, oh, you're absolutely really? right. I mean, it's it's a lot of the traditional, you know, SaaS scale considerations any business will have. I think we do some things really well and some things we are totally figuring out and just like any company. The most exciting thing for me has actually been the real focus on customer growth over the last couple of years, which is Hmm. a little bit newer for us. um, And that has really transformed the company. What led to that decision, to that focus? It, It was actually a little bit of 
a realization that we had these amazing organizations who were only coming to us and using us for, let's say, a particular campaign, a particular gala, Hmm. a particular event. And campaign-focused giving seems to be very hot right now. Very hot, but also... Why would you have, you know, three different platforms when you do, you know, six different kinds of giving when you have a platform that can do it all for you and just lighten up the load? And so for us, the the biggest realization is we would bring them on for what was essentially a pilot and then we kind of wouldn't talk to them again. Well, suddenly we implemented this kind of a complete overhaul of our customer engagement teams where we said, no, we actually want kind of people who understand the technology and the opportunity in the base to be talking to yeah. these customers and saying, okay, let's consolidate. Again, our, our focus is high return. If you're paying a subscription fee and, and a, you know, a transaction fee, why wouldn't you spread that subscription fee over much like a, a much wider section of your fundraising and your giving? And it's just gone really well for us. I think our customers feel really heard and taken care of it and that we're really proactive about identifying opportunities. Um, and we've just learned so much more, you know, from this. So we started breaking down moments from contract sign all the way to renewal and beyond to understand what are the key inflection points that tell us if they're Amazing. getting deeper engaged or they're kind of pulling back. And suddenly we've got entire programs to make sure customers are hitting those key milestones. So when we're talking about identifying key inflection points, are we talking like beautiful dashboards and tableau are we talking about like a checklist in a google doc like i just want you to paint the picture for me a little bit because a i'm i love operations and i just want (laughs) to know and sometimes it sounds so glamorous and then you learn the truth and the truth always makes me feel a little bit better you know so i'm just curious like how did that process start you are only asking that question because you've seen it enough times to for it to be a totally (laughs) leading answer you and i both know these are totally hacked together Google Sheets. Yes, that we are. that's what I want to hear. That's what I want. Yeah. The good stuff. And it has like totally transformed our whole focus as a company. Like Isn't I don't need incredible? a pretty dashboard. We no. will. We will build it once we know there's something there. In the meantime, exactly. like get to work, yes. and it's been great. It's been really. I great. love that. Have you done a lot of segmentation as well, based on you know how large is the nonprofit, how many employees do they have, like how yes. personalized you get with this customer journey. We do. We do a lot of segmentation on how large the nonprofit is um, and, you know, how many how much revenue is coming in and where it's coming from. And more than anything, again, it goes back to we need to be having conversations that resonate with their priorities and what they can actually take on. If we come in and say, we think you should launch this, you know, whole new set of campaigns, like what makes sense? We're seeing this in the in the market. And they look at us with a blank stare and say, we've got a three-person development team. Right. Like, what right. are you talking about? You know, yeah. we, we have to do that homework. And we know that certain features, certain campaigns, even mm. the platform as a whole, serve certain nonprofits better. So uh, mm. we try to be really disciplined about that. I think every nonprofit can benefit from better technology. I think the yeah. biggest misconception is trying to hold nonprofits to this arbitrary admin, you know, overhead percentage because – if they're spending a little more, but then they're, you know, they're growing their their impact so like to such a large degree, you would just you would never hold a for-profit 
company to I that know, same I've standard. I've never understood that. It's insane. It's Why it's insane. like, you better be taking every single dollar. No coffee in the break room for you, nonprofit. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> excuse me? That's like, exactly it, yeah. If we know how to make employees at tech companies more successful, more right. productive, have bigger, better outcomes by treating people well, paying them fairly and giving them the resources we need, why would we then go and say, no, go do the exact opposite while you try to cure some of the world's most difficult problems? Well, it's that, but it's even worse than that because this covers marketing costs. So if you actually think Mm. you have got the solution or a solution or at least a good program to alleviate one of these huge problems and you're not allowed to spend to drive awareness to then drive donations— Right. You're never you're gonna never gonna Your be impacted. You Your hands are tied. And so the sector is really disadvantaged from kind of that public perception. But regardless, we try to be really sensitive to it because we know it's the reality of course. that our of customers course. live in. Well, speaking of having to keep different priorities top of mind, I do want to dig into a little bit more about the decision to incorporate as something other than just a traditional corporation. What were you primarily trying to accomplish with that? So for us, we want to be very, very clear about the decision-making criteria. We have a financial consideration, of course. We are a company kind of unapologetically looking to grow and and make some money. But we don't do that without considering our employee impact, without considering our environmental and, you know, community impact, and without considering our customer impact. So it's really easy for us because of the way we operate that we won't make money unless our customers do. Whenever we are in big strategic conversations, we will evaluate against those criteria. What does it mean for our employees, for their well-being? What does it mean in Mm -hmm. terms of, you know, how we're affecting the community in which we operate, you know, and the community at large, you know, the world in which we operate? Are we making sure that we're adding value and that, you know, we're proud to look our kids in the eye in in the evening um, and say that we did things in a way that we're, we think we are making the world better in like a really genuine way. And there's no way to make that sound genuine and not really cheesy. But I know. Well, it's hard. It's It's hard. Sometimes when we say things that are authentic and uh, (laughs) empathetic, you know, or coming from like a good place, it can sound fake. And part of that is also because I've been in the tech world long enough to remember every single company I've ever applied for, interviewed with or worked for having like a set of really fluffy company values that got written on the wall in calligraphy and then like never addressed yeah. ever again yes. or followed. And so I think that that has engendered some cynicism in the whole values-based realm. Brian, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is something where you have to live your values internally before you even ser- are able to serve your customers. I think that's one thing that we have seen in Silicon Valley where, you know, if you have fluffy values and it's mm-hmm. one that you're not holding your managers and the founders accountable, you know, the last thing you want to hear is that a-, a company has a great product, but, you know, everyone that works there is miserable. Oh my God. That's it. And I, I, you know, it really <laughs> is difficult because we are not going to get it right every time. I don't even know what right is in every yeah. situation. You know, things are so complex. And I think the the thing that has struck me with how we make decisions at Classy that is different than other places I've been a part of is we at least consider them very intentionally every time. Mm. It, it is It is not something we stick on a wall and then feel good about. We won't get it right. There won't always be clear answers, but they're at least well discussed and well thought through, um, which I think is all you can ask for. It's really intentional. I completely agree. And speaking of intentional, I wanted to dig in a little bit of something that we uh, that we've touched on earlier, but I think 
I'm personally curious about it, which is how you're using at Classy education for these nonprofits to help achieve all of these goals that we've talked about. I want to hear specifically a little bit about Classy Academy. Uh, I lo- we love Classy Academy. We oh, yeah? just launched good, it about. <laughs> we love it. We we launched it maybe six months ago. Congrats. It really comes out of thanks. Um, deep roots. You know where we started, and frankly, this is uh, you know how do you build a, a SaaS company? You do it through content marketing. But our content marketing right. was always about you know how do you support nonprofits to be better fundraisers. Many of the people that work at Classy, you know, especially on the customer-facing teams, came from nonprofits, have deep expertise. And so we just try to kind of distill it all and then package it up and hand it back to, you know, practitioners in the space in the most resonant way possible. So yeah. we do a ton of events. We do lots of white papers. We do lots of meta platform analysis, whatever <laughs> I said earlier. <laughs> I'm so obsessed with this term. I'm, I need to work it into some conversation today somehow. Like I, maybe a dinner. I haven't uh, figured it out yet, but know yeah. that, yeah, I will. Meta platform analysis will it's be coming. dropped. <laughs> oh, man. I apologize to the world. No, um, I love and it. And so I, <laughs> Classy Academy was really a natural extension of that. It actually came from you know, a combination of this thought, leadership, content development, and yeah. this life cycle management where we started understanding what are those key pathways and what are those key, you know, journeys that customers are taking to make them successful, we can guide people through that. And so we set up all of these courses that we try to make, you know, really digestible, really quick so that customers make sure that they stand up, you know, day one and they can be successful. More than that, you know, we talked a little bit about turnover or teams growing. Yep. No nonprofit has the time to sit there and say, okay, these are all of my, you know, this is all the technology I use. Let me take a week out and onboard, you know, my new you know, fundraising coordinator. And so for us, we said, we can take that lift. Like, this is our tech. We can help you through. And we can marry it to, you know, your particular instance. And we will take a lot of, you know, the burden on that and make sure that your staff is feeling, you know, ready to go by, you know, week two, week three. It's been really it, yeah, it has been successful. I'll own it. Like it's been really great for us. We've heard yes, really good things from our clients. Great. <laughs> we love, we love it. And we're, we're just early days still. We're really building this okay. out quite a bit, but you know, the exciting thing of it is classy Academy is, you know, this learning journey. You can get certified. Great, but it's actually supplemented. We do almost daily webinars, small groups, training sessions to make yes. sure that no matter where you are, you can just plug in and we've got people there available for you. In addition to all of our account teams. Yeah, I mean, I truly believe the job of a SaaS company is not to sell software. It's to help people be better at their job. Yes. You know, at the end of the day, it's so easy when you work in tech to believe that, you know, your customer cares about every single feature. I think that's not always the case. Oftentimes people just want education and they want the tools to just be better and to get promoted or to, as you said, you know, leave and go to that next nonprofit where they can have even more impact. I know. Well, it's true. And and we get really excited about the features because we think it will transform the Mm -hmm. game, but we know it. You know, not everybody's going to be interested in everything. Our job is, you know, educate, figure out, is it going to support, you know, as many clients as possible, figure out creative ways in which clients can use it. And then they're in control. We're, We're just here to make them heroes. That's really it. Wow. Fabulous. Soraya, thank you so, so much for joining us on The Shakeup. This was such a treat. I definitely feel like I learned a lot about the nonprofit sector that I really didn't know before. Brienne, what about you? Yeah, exactly. It was awesome because in many ways you're a SaaS company, but this is a sector that we haven't really talked about before. Well, thank you both so much. It was so much fun. And I mean, 
truly this is the sector that needs great technology the most. And so um, yes, it, we're just really proud to be able to do it. And thanks for the thanks for the platform to talk about it. Anytime. Thanks, Soraya. Talk to you soon. Talk soon. Bye. Bye. Hey, Rianne, are you ready to do that thing we practiced? Oh my gosh, is it time? I'm ready. Okay. Three, two, one. Don't Don't forget forget to subscribe and leave leave us a review. review. Pretty good. (laughs) Today's episode was written and produced by Matthew Brown. Production support comes from Lauren Schild. Our engineer is William Lowe with research from Corey Broccolini. And special thanks to Kyle Denhoff and Lisa Toner. We have some amazing guests coming up this season that you won't want to miss. See you next time.